community content from Concentrate. You're up and Adam with Adam Montiel. Happy Hump Day and Happy Valentine's Day, Wednesday here. Thanks for being up and at them. My name is Adam Montiel. Thanks for making us your first podcast of the day. What a show. Today we're going to meet Shannon Huffman Polson. She is, she was the first lady to be a pilot of an Apache attack helicopter. She's a public speaker, a keynote speaker. Her resume is insanity. She's going to be the keynote speaker for the TEDx talk that I'm also going to be doing on April 14th. And in my desire, we met Prince Williams yesterday, in my desire to meet more of the folks involved in the TEDx talk on April 14th, I wanted to introduce you to our keynote speaker of that day, Shannon Hoffman Polson. I'm excited to get to know her. The weather is changing to what? I'll let you know. Uh, some Valentine's Day stacks and more in our lo-fi headlines from our friends at Barometer Coffee. Isn't just your average Joe, uh-uh. They're roasting with a purpose. Premium beans sourced from communities dedicated to sustainability and family prosperity. We're talking Central South America, where every sip carries those chocolatey, those nutty notes. Premium small batch coffee made in slow, five unique roasts when you're feeling the pressure and you actually care about your coffee. Check your barometer. Barometer Coffee. Find them on Insta at Barometer Coffee Co. Online, barometercoffee.com. You deserve great coffee. You can win some from us too, adamonteal.com. Click on the yellow bar on the homepage. And I say we take this opportunity right this momento and get a winner of some barometer coffee. We're going to be calling up, looks like, Jenny. Hello? Hello? Jenny? Yes, this is Adam. It's Adam Montiel. How are you? I'm good. I just listened to you this morning. <laughs> Did you cool? So weird to hear your voice like in real time. <laughs> in real life, right? Yeah. How did everything sound today? Did you enjoy the show today? Yeah, but I think I'm a, I think I'm a day behind. I listened to um the Coleman one. Oh yeah, Brooks okay, cool. Coleman. There you go. Yeah. Nicely. So you you emailed the show, but we're giving away free coffee and you won some free barometer coffee, Jenny. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so surprised. You said you don't live in slow, but you love the podcast. I'm curious where you live. I live in San Diego. Cool. Well, good. Uh, how did you hear about the show? Um, I would hear you when we would visit the Central Coast. And so then I started following you on Instagram. And then I heard about the whole, like, yeah, you know, yeah. more on the radio thing. And I went, oh, cool. Podcast. Still hear them. That's cool. Yeah, right. Perfect for you yeah, since you're out of the area. That's great. I wanna, yeah, I want to start listening to your wine thing because I, I think I heard you more on the wine thing than anything else. I haven't listened to that one yet. You like wine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably why you yeah, come I up have, here. You ever come never, up here to go wine tasting and stuff? Yeah, yeah. I have a membership at a couple of the wineries up there. Ooh, cool. Which ones? Paso, uh, Alta Colina. Wonderful. One of my favorites. Great place, great people, great wine, great winemaker, great family. Awesome. Yeah, we really like, really like it up there. Well, cool. Well, good. Well, listen, we got some free coffee from Barometer Coffee coming your way. That sounds fun. Yeah, that sounds real fun. And next time you make it to the Central Coast, let me know. We should set you up at some cool place to taste wine or whatever. But man, oh. it was so much fun to meet you. And I'm loving that you're listening from San Diego. Yeah, 
stay in touch with the Central Coast that way. Yeah, no, I hear you. Well, listen, hang on the line. I'm going to put you on hold and I'm going to give you all the info that you need. But appreciate meeting okay. you, Jenny. And thank you so, so much for being up in Adam. Thank you. Thanks for all you do for the Central Coast. You're up in Adam with Adam Montiel. Adam Montiel. Community content from Concentrate. Available wherever you get your podcasts. For links and more, visit adammontiel.com. Up in Adam's Slow-Fi Headlines. All right, we are jumping in to the Valentine's Day vibe. Whether you are cuddled up at home, hitting the town for a fancy schmancy dinner later, you are part of a spending spree that's breaking records this year. This KSPY article talked to a guy from Paso named Alan. He's planning a chill day for himself. He's talking gym time, sauna sessions some self-care goals okay uh, then there was a guy named Forrest in the article who was all about the lovey-dovey he's into making valentine's day a whole experience yes dinner probably some fancy spot yeah yeah he said he spent fifteen hundred dollars last valentine's day and that was just par for the course when you're celebrating someone special but man i don't know if a lot of people are shelling out fifteen hundred bucks for valentine's day but man go Forrest. but hold on to your hats because this valentine's day we're looking at a whopping $14.2 billion being splashed out, according to the National Retail Federation. And get this, the average Joe dropping about 185 bucks on the occasion. Talk about spreading the love. And what about those last minute shoppers? Lisa, owner of Open Air Flowers and Slow, she was in the article, she knows the drill. She says a whopping 90% of her Valentine's Day customers are all about that last minute hustle. Fresh flowers, bouquets, plants, greeting cards, you name it, these shops will have it. And guess what? Online shopping's stealing the show this year. 40% of lovebirds planning to hit the digital shelves for their gifts. I saw a commercial for DoorDash yesterday, getting in on Valentine's Day. And just DoorDashing someone some flowers. Wow. Well, whether you're a last-minute shopper or you've had your V-Day plans set in stone since New Year's, one thing's for sure, it is all about spreading that love. Happy Valentine's Day. All right, so the city of San Luis Obispo on a mission to really ramp up its public art game. It has been for a while, and it's making waves. Highway 101 underpass off Choro is about to get a serious makeover with a brand spanking new art installation. It's all part of a bigger plan to jazz up the city with more public art, giving it that extra mm to make San Luis Obispo so special. According to the Slow Public Art Master Plan, this initiative is all about celebrating art as a key part of what makes our community unique and livable. And let's not forget the awesome partnership between the city and the Slow Museum of Art. A good friend and executive director of the Slow Museum of Art, Leanne Standish, she's pumped about the energy and support surrounding their projects from murals to sculptures. They're turning the city into one big canvas of creativity. I love it. But check this out. The city's public art program boasts 70 unique installations scattered all across Slow. Whether you're strolling past the Fremont Theater or checking out the corner of Orchid and Tate Farm, you're bound to stumble upon some seriously cool art. Just drive by the art museum itself. And if you're curious where to find more of these masterpieces, you can head over to slowcity.org and get the scoop. To talk a little bit more about the art in San Luis Obispo, the executive director herself of the Slow Museum for Art, dear friend Leanne Standish, <laughs> thanks for being up in Adam. What's up, Leanne? Hi, Adam. I love that you're talking about art. I know, see, I'm so cultured, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good for all of us. Raises the bar. What is, uh, first of all, what do you know? I mean, I'm not sure this is exactly like your thing, but what do you know about this Choro art installation? Because this sounds interesting. This sounds cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it's a cool intervention. I don't know everything about it, of course. It's, um, but it is a project I think that was motivated mostly by public safety. Uh, that's a pretty high traffic underpass into the downtown core and so the origin is lighting and public safety and I think there's an element of it that will be um, sort of reflective of the natural landscape and slow through art so I think it'll I'm sure it'll be beautiful I know a few people who are involved in it we've got 70 this article is talking about 70 different installations all over town it's really something cool we've seen just even these simple roundabouts get beautified in really exceptional ways you have that um I know you've helped do a lot of these in your contract with the city. There's that beautiful that beautiful mural on the back of the Fremont Theater. And I understand in, in certain due time, that artist is coming back to do a show at the museum. Yeah, we're so excited. Uh, Maria Maltani is her name, and she did that amazing, massive mural um, that took six weeks to install and thousands of gallons of paint and two lifts two cherry lifts at any given time. It was a really big project. Um, and so she's coming back, she'll do a show in the Nyback Gallery at the museum um, from June 3rd to September 1st. And she'll do um, a painting exhibition. And her work is really um, meaningful now to us. She's a part of our life with that sort of core mural. All right, Leanne Standish is up in Adam. What are some things that we should know about museum dates, things we can get involved in? Yeah, well, always the second Saturday, 11 to 1, all the materials to make a work of art for your kids and your family on the museum's lawn. Every second Saturday, 11 to 1. Every first Friday, we have a DJ, a hosted winery, a very um, sort of sexy crowd from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. So come get involved. Thank you so much, (laughs) Leanne Standish, uh, the executive director of the Sloan Museum of Art. Can't wait to see you. Again, cheers you again soon, and thanks for being up in Adam, Leanne. Okay, love ya. All right, finally, for your forecast, it's going to start off nice for your Valentine's Day. Clouds will roll in by the evening. Rain is expected. Vivian from KSBY called this a little bit more of a splash and dash scenario, so don't expect too much. Most places see a light sprinkle, maybe a couple hundredths of an inch, not much. Northern Slow County might see a little more. Thursday and Friday look beautiful, but get this, come Saturday, things change. A cold front's coming through, bringing some rain. And Sunday into Monday, even heavier rain. So be prepared. And we're talking inches of rain, especially down south, so keep that in mind. And that rain on Sunday into Monday, it's a low-end 3 out of 5 on the atmospheric river scale. We've dealt with these before, but it's definitely something to be aware of. So stay dry, keep your eye on the skies, enjoy Thursday and Friday. And that's how the next 5-6 days going to look. All right, before we jump out of our headlines, let's thank our friends at Dow Vineyards. You ever consider joining the club? Over at Dow Vineyards, now is the time, because it is all about you there. Access exclusive wines, special pricing, and unforgettable events that are just for you. I just did that family soiree where they did the release of Soul of a Lion. My goodness, unbelievable. The member Sunset Series, Members on the Mountain, the Artisan's Dinner Table, all great events, members only. It's all waiting for you at Dow Vineyards. Join the club. Let's raise a glass together. DowVineyards.com. Up in Adam's Slow-Fi Headlines. All right. It's my pleasure to introduce to you Shannon Huffman Polson, a remarkable leader and visionary in her own right. Shannon, not only the author of The Grit Factor, Courage, Resilience, and Leadership in the Most Male-Dominated Organization in the World, but also the memoir, North of Hope. As the founder of the Grit Institute, Shannon is dedicated to cultivating whole leader development 
guiding individuals to reach their fullest potential. Drawing from her groundbreaking experience as the first woman to pilot the Apache attack helicopter in the U.S. Army, Shannon brings a unique perspective to the table. Her journey has taken her across three continents, leading line units and facing challenges head on. After a decade of distinguished service to the armed forces, Shannon pursued her MBA at the Tuck School of Dartmouth, followed by her MFA. She then transitioned seamlessly into the corporate world where she led exceptional teams in the medical device industry and at Microsoft. With a decade of experience speaking to companies and organizations worldwide, Shannon consistently earns top ratings for her engaging and insightful presentations. She's gonna be the keynote speaker at the TEDx talk in San Luis Obispo that I'm gonna be speaking at as well. Please join me in welcoming Shannon Hoffman Polson. Shannon, thank you for being up and Adam. Adam, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. This is cool. I'm excited about April 14th. You are now there's so many things I want to pick your brain on because your bio is just incredible. And gosh, the theme for the TEDx event is determination. And just reading about you, it is so cool. You obviously have just like you're making it rain determination and grit, which we're going to talk all about too. But I more selfishly want to pick your brain. You are a keynote speaker, and I've seen your videos. I mean, you are sometimes doing speeches for hundreds, if not over a thousand people in a big room, whether it's corporations or this or that. I am nervous as hell to do this. Do you get nerves or what are some things that you keep in mind when you are talking to so many people? I, I definitely get nervous, but I think the getting nervous is a good thing. Like I actually worry if I'm not feeling nervous because I think that extra level of stress makes you better uh, in the moment, not not for a prolonged period of time. But I think you embrace it and just know that that little bit of extra, that extra kind of case of nerves will actually make you better. Yeah. You know, um, let's talk about it. You were the first woman to be assigned as a line pilot uh, to the uh, 18th Airborne Corps, Fort Bragg, and you were flying an Apache attack helicopter. I mean, just I mean, without the stupid question, what was that like? But I mean, take me to that journey and how you became this person uh, to do such an incredible thing. And thank you for your service. Well, I hope that you'll hear from any of us who have worn the uniform that it's an honor to have served. And I think I have certainly learned since then, too, that there are many ways that we all serve and give our best selves to the world. So thank you as well for giving your best self to the world. I, you know, th the fact that I ended up at, as one of the first women to fly the Apache is, is honestly a bit of a matter of both timing and being ready when an opportunity came. And I was, a, you know, I was an ROTC in college. I was drilling with the National Guard unit. And at the time, attack aviation wasn't open for women at all. And I was branched into aviation. And there's other types of aviation, like lift and support and that kind of thing. But, um, but attack aviation opened right before I graduated my senior year. And so the key was, and I talk to leaders about this all the time, the key is really to do the work so that you're ready when those opportunities come up. And attack aviation opened, and I knew that that was the thing that I wanted to do. So that was uh, partly timing and luck and partly preparation. Were your parents like, what are you doing? Please don't do this. No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, that's very perceptive. You know, nobody really asked me that, but I think my dad was kind of horrified. Like, I mean, he was proud, but he was also like, you're, you're I'm sorry, you're doing what? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, because you, you bring up your kids to believe, hopefully, that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. And I'm really grateful that I had that kind of an upbringing. But... I don't think they ever thought I would do that. And so that was uh, through, through everybody for a little bit of a loop. And it was certainly an adventure that I had absolutely no idea about as I was embarking upon it. And I guess that's that in part is the definition of an adventure. Well, you tell this one story in one of your speeches where you are 
you know, you're in flight and you are, you could tell that you've been locked in on. But somebody, some like surface to air kind of defense mechanism has locked in on your helicopter. Those moments, I mean, talk about a time where like every T must be crossed and I to be dotted. And I don't know whatever your faith is, but you're channeling that too. I mean, what are those moments that maybe the moment seems like an hour, but what were those moments like where you're like, shit, this is about to go down right now? (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, I remember that particular that particular flight that you're talking about was while we were in Bosnia, and it was uh, 1990s. It was part of the stabilization force that we were there to support the Dayton Peace Accords, and we were helping the Bosnian Muslims actually resettle into communities that had been completely destroyed. And we were flying in teams of two. Uh, we had uh, this really, really restrictive rule of engagement, which we had to fly at 300 feet or higher, which is really pretty high for an attack helicopter in a tactical situation. And um, and I remember when we were coming up on this weapon storage site, we were getting ready to do this reconnaissance of a weapon storage site. And we always flew at night, right? Because we have an advantage flying at night with the site systems and all those other sorts of things. And we've come to this high out of ground effect hover and the sound in our helmet changes. And it is the sound that we've only ever heard in the simulator before, which is exactly what you just said. We've been locked on um, this, this hostile aircraft, anti-aircraft system is locked onto our helicopter. And the thing about that moment, um, in that moment, it's pure focus. You know, like it, you, there's not, you've trained so much in so many different scenarios. And, and I think anybody in the military would tell you this or in any other kind of a, kind of a high stakes sort of a, a job. But you train so much for that, that in that moment, it's completely and totally focused on what's happening and what it is that you need to do. And, and you know, uh, Adam, that's the way to do your TEDx too, right? Train and train and train and train and prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. And then, and then you, you stay focused and you adjust to contingencies as they come. And tell me if I get anything wrong about you, but, you know, graduated your degree uh, from Duke in English Lit. Obviously, we talk um, flying an, an attack Apache helicopter. You're married. You got your mom of boys. Gosh, I think on your sophomore year at college, you came back and, and like, hiked Denali. I mean, you are a, a, just a badass. And I'm curious, where did you feel that your determination muscle was stressed and tested the most? Oh gosh, Adam, that is a great question. Um, you know what's interesting, and and I when I talk to audiences and when I work with leaders and I work with organizations, I'll usually come in through a form of a story in order to get to the lesson. But the reality is, the application of those lessons are the hardest. Not in the cockpit of the Apache, right? I mean, that's a it's a technical job that you train a lot for, you prepare a lot for, and then you execute on. But it's really in in our work with people that things are challenging and the most challenging, and they have been for me also the most challenging. And uh, and so they're not kind of the sexy stories to tell as much. But you know, when I came to Fort Bragg, I was 23 years old. I was the only female uh, Apache helicopter pilot out of 120 guys, and the interaction that kind of an environment can be tough and um, really tough, actually. And I would say that's more than Denali, more than the helicopter, more than more than future adventures, even. Uh, that is where the hard things are and where the hard stuff happens. 
Well, we talk about grit because I know um, the gritinstitute.com is your website. People want to learn more. Corporations want to listen and uh, figure out how you could be speaking to them as you're going to be speaking to the folks at TEDx on April 14th. I'm excited to be one of these speakers. Uh, Shannon is the keynote speaker of the afternoon. Well, how do you define grit? And then really, how do you rationalize grit and determination while also realizing that, you know, you aren't in control of all the way that things end up and dealing with those things that come that you had no control over? Wonderfully phrased question. So The Grit Factor is the book that I wrote that came out from Harvard Business Review Press in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, as it turns out. And, uh, and you know, The Grit Factor, I'll start by talking about um, how it came about, which was that a young leader reached out and asked if I would mentor her as she began the same journey that I had taken a number of years before, which was going down to Alabama to train as a pilot and as an aviation leader. And I immediately said yes. And then I realized, oh my gosh, it's been a number of years since I've served. You know, I transitioned out of the military through my MBA at the tech school at Dartmouth. I led teams in the corporate world as well. I've just, I've been out of uniform for a while. And my integration into this all-male field was surely somewhat unique. So how can I scale what I offer her? And if I do that work, then scale the people to whom this work is offered. And that is really the genesis of what would become the grit factor. It's, it's stories, it's lessons, and it's tactical takeaways from leaders in the vanguards of the in their fields. And they happen to be women, they happen to be military, but they're general officers from across the services, you know, combat rescue swimmer from the Coast Guard and, and one of the first women army rangers, and of course my own story and, and a number of other aviators as well. So they shared their stories with incredible candor and incredible generosity. And what came out of their stories and then doing the secondary research as well is what I now call the grit triad. And the grit triad is the three parts of the grit factor, the book, which I'm sure all of your listeners will pick up and, and read. And, uh, and it, it really falls out into commit, learn, and launch. So think of it like a triangle. That commit phase is owning your past. It's connecting to story and purpose. That's really deep internal work. The next phase is learn, that's deep engagement in the present, and that's building your teams and taking care of your teams, the art and science of strategic listening and the mindset of success. And that includes several different components of mindset. And then that final leg is about launch. It's grounded in the past, it's engaged in the present, and it's looking towards the future with audacity, the willingness to take risks and face failures, with authenticity showing up as you are uh, so that you can be the most successful version of yourself, contribute, the best of yourself to the world and the challenges that the world has. And then ultimately adaptability. And that adaptability kind of ends up being in a way a keystone. That's a different metaphor than a triad, but, but really we all have had to learn to be so adaptable. And one of the things that came out of these stories and these lessons is that grit is not this discrete thing we pull off the shelf for mile 23 of the marathon, although it's great there too, right? It's not about those big guys in the gym, lifting weights and glistening with sweat, although that's, that's grit too. I've defined grit as a dogged determination in the face of difficult circumstances. Now it's obviously related to, but slightly different from Angela Duckworth's definition of grit, which is passion and perseverance towards a very long-term goal. Because in COVID, you know, we sort of lost sight of some of those long-term goals and realized that the horizon, especially with very rapidly advancing technology and all of the changes in the workforce, that horizon can be unclear. So sometimes it's not a long-term goal. Sometimes grit's got to be something else. And what came out of these stories is that it's really part of the content of who we are. And all of us have it. All of us can find it. All of us can develop it. It's why I've put together trainings for both adults and for high school kids and uh, college kids 
at the Grit Institute because all of us have this and need this important element for success, but it's really part of who, who we are. It's not just this one single thing. It's part of who we are. Who is grit harder to instill uh, into or, or who has a harder time kind of flexing this grit muscle and adopting it? Would it be adults already on a path that maybe never really connected with this before or is it kids? That is a great question because kids are growing up in this environment right now that doesn't always develop grit. You hit it right on the head why I even asked the question. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Adam, I think the piece that I'm going to talk about, and I'm not going to tell you exactly, of course, yet, but uh, for TEDx is going to get to a partial solution for this for both kids and adults, because it's a place we haven't been focusing enough. We've kind of gotten off track when we do the work to focus on this particular element that I'm going to talk to you about at TEDx, uh, then it helps all of us, kids and adults, really help to both find and cultivate and grow the grit and resilience that we need to do well and to succeed in life. And it also makes life more meaningful as well. So I think this will be a really helpful thing for all of your listeners. I know it's been it's been a revelation for me to, to continue to do this work and to find this element, which I'm not going to share with you today, but I will share on TEDx on the April 14th. Um, but I don't know if I could say whether it's kids or adults that, that struggle more with it, but it, it is tough for kids, if they're not in an environment that is encouraging them to stretch themselves, to be willing to fail, to be willing to take risks. And there's so many different parts of our environment that are making that so difficult right now. Yeah, it depends on the adult. It depends on the kid, I think, a lot. The Grit Factor. We have Shannon Huffman-Polson. TheGritInstitute.com is the website. Keynote speaker, author, optimist, creative, badass gal. I'm so excited to meet you here. I'd love to have you on again as we kind of creep up towards April 14th. I can't wait to, uh, I'd love to just get off the air with you and just pick your brain on some stuff. It's been a pleasure to meet you here. And thank you so much, Shannon, for being up and Adam. Adam, thanks so much for having me. Great to be with you. Again, check Shannon out with me, TEDx, April 14th. Go to packslow.org for tickets. Also follow them on Instagram, TEDx underscore San Luis Obispo. And learn more about Shannon, her website, thegritinstitute.com. Well, thanks to our friends at the General Store, Paso, for being up and at them, offering local goods and hand-picked gifts, a curated cookbook selection, and all the best for your pantry and home. Right now, they're helping out Echo with their Spread the Warmth campaign. You could drop off new twin-sized sheets and blankets. They're located on 12th Street across the park downtown Paso, open daily 11 to 6, 10 to 6 on weekends, and on Instagram at General Store Paso. Well, I wish you a happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for making this podcast the first one of your day and for sharing, rating, reviewing, subscribing to the podcast. It means a ton. Thanks to Full Cup Solutions for technical consideration and original music on the pod. Moonshiner Collective, stream them wherever you get your music and online, moonshinercollective.com, where you can also get tickets for their March 22nd show at Roddenhammer Rock, formerly known as Slow Brew Rock. Check them out live. Back at it tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, going to be beautiful days. Then some rain, significant rain once again. Till then, thanks for connecting with us here. My name is Adam Montiel. Thank you for being up and at them. Start again. We'll start again. Let's start again.
Just start again. 